Hello fellow time travelers, I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by... Dalton Hughes. And by... Alison Fitzsafried. And we record our episodes twice a month. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Peterson. With me as always, my good friend and co-host, Eric O'Branson. Eric, how's it going? It's going good. So, have you uh, recovered from the, the, the torment that your eyes and ears and senses felt from Holmes and Watson? Um, yes, I would say so. But then, of course, you made me watch the movie that we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah. And I say made me as in because I need to blame somebody for that. No, but, you know, this one, <laughs> yeah, this is, and actually, you know, when I first heard about this movie, I was actually a little excited to see it until I had heard how bad it was. But just the concept of it, because I, <laughs> as I've mentioned on the show in the past, when we've talked about, um, you know, films like Dragon Slayer and some of our other, our, you know, sword and sorcery fantasy films, is that uh, I got into D and D very late in life. I mean, like, so I'm in my late 30s now, and just a couple of years ago, I got into RPGs and D and D, and I, I wish I could play more than I can. Um, but it just, <laughs> yeah. it was. I know you played when we were younger, but it wasn't real popular. There weren't many yep. people that were playing still. We, most of us grew up towards the tail end of that. So I knew some people that played when I was really little, but it wasn't a board game board game, so I wasn't interested, right? It was too complex, I guess, for me at the time. But uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I, I found a set, mm-hmm. the original game set, and I don't know if original original, but it was an, a vintage um, TSR Dungeons & Dragons base game set at a garage sale. In Pecatonica, Illinois, um, when I was probably, I don't know, eight to ten years old, it was initially too daunting for me, um, like yeah, just the, the rule book and everything. So it sat on the shelf for a couple years, but when I was 11, 12, I pulled it out and like really got into it, learned to play, started teaching the neighbor kids to play, panicked the neighbors, you know, who thought we were worshiping the devil, cause, which will fit in very well to yeah. this um Mazes and Monsters movie, or the, the movie we're going to watch, not that I'm going to let the cat out of the bag right. or anything, um, but <laughs> it, uh, so yeah, me and a group of friends started playing, and I think played all the way through high school. I think I probably didn't stop playing until I went to college, and then just didn't have a group of people that were playing. Yeah, so. and, and it's, I think it's funny, because like, you know, you and I have been friends for a long time, and I, 
this was not something that I did. So I didn't know until college that you would play D&D, and I still didn't really understand what it was. So I just wasn't interested. Again, <laughs> as I mentioned before, I wasn't really interested in fantasy stuff a lot either. So this was just one of those things, even mm-hmm. though we've always been good friends, it's one of those things I just didn't know about you until later on in life. Um, yeah. Everybody has their secrets, right? So, but but when right, I right. when I got into D and D just a few years ago, I absolutely fell in love with it, and I still absolutely love it. And I think it's it's just I, I I'm happy to see that it's having a resurgence right now, because it's making it easier for me to get stuff because now it's easier to find everything, and it's easier to find people that are playing and to get tips on being a, a game master, a DM, and all that stuff. So. Uh, it's a good time right now to be just now getting into D and D, but in yeah. in reading about the history of Dungeons and Dragons and RPGs, um, you you do start to read about the controversies in the '70s and the '80s when the game first came out and got <laughs> big because, like you mentioned, parents didn't understand what it was. You know, it's it's yeah. here they're seeing their kids sitting outside. They're they're not they're playing a game, but there's no board necessarily. It could just be a bunch of kids sitting around talking, and they're they're talking about, you know, slaying things and casting spells on each casting spells, spells and all this stuff. Yeah. And you know, I don't think the parents realized that no, what they're doing is is just storytelling. Um, which yeah. I think if they would have understood that, that's something I think they would have appreciated more. Like if it wasn't Dungeons and Dragons, if it was something else as as the vehicle for the for the RPG, the role playing game. I think I don't think we would have had the kind of controversy that we uh, that we see or saw. Yeah, and I think there were two factors to that, and that's that one, it was a little different than other style of gaming because there wasn't mm-hmm. a, you know, a board per se. And a lot of people do play with miniatures and um, graphic representations, but they're not required. Like you don't have to play with that. You can play purely with your imagination. It's one of the coolest things about the base Dungeons and Dragons game. But I I said there were two factors and that is that they were different from board games. So I think that kind of freaked parents out. But I think the main two factors that I'm talking about is one is that when the churches got involved and two is that the, the concept role playing had a strong sexual connotation Mm -hmm. around that period of history. Um, so both of those things uh, certainly started to worry parents when they said, you know, we're, we're fantasy role playing from this group of teenager, teenage boys, you know, or whatever. <laughs> like, um, I do think there was there's a connotation there that like, OK, there's something a little weird going on. And then also they're talking about magic and demons and monsters and uh, they're talking in voices. Often there's an acting yeah. element to the way that some people play. Yeah. Anyway, so. Maybe we should. Yeah, so so get the, to, the, the, the uh, movie that we we watched for this week, which we mentioned before, but it's uh it's called Mazes and Monsters, and it was a made-for-TV movie in 1982, and it's based on the book of the same name, Mazes and Monsters, by uh, Rona Jaffe, uh, which came out, I believe, just the year before. Tom Hanks and his friends get caught up in a deadly game of fantasy. I am the maze controller. Until they take it too far. I propose we play. Mazes and monsters in a real setting. It won't be a fantasy. Too bad for one of them, because now there's no turning back. This is only a game. I know, I killed somebody. Mazes and monsters. Saturday at 3 on ZTV. The notable thing about this is that it stars a very young Tom Hanks. In fact, I think he was only about 26 years old when this came out. 
Um, the basic story yeah. is a group of four college students are playing this RPG that's obviously inspired by Dungeons and Dragons called Mazes and Monsters. And one of the uh, members of the group, Tom Hanks's character, uh, turns out has some uh, uh, bad reactions with playing the game and mentally he starts to lose his, his grip on reality um, and actually has a history of doing so and ultimately almost leads to his suicide uh, at, at, towards the end. And interesting, so it's based on this novel by Jonah Raffey that came out in 81 that she, or he, I'm sorry, um, had based on a 1981 or 19, no, 1979 newspaper article about the disappearance of a college student from Michigan State University named James Dallas Egbert III. Um, and there was a whole book about the, the media myth behind the story in 1984 in a book called uh, uh, The Dungeon Master. Uh, so essentially there was a, a aspect of this young man's disappearance that involved him playing a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. There was a lot of other stuff right. going on with this kid and, and there were a lot, it was, it was a really sad thing that he disappeared and um, I, I guess there were, it was kind of a, a personal breakdown of, of the individual, but D and D really didn't play a role in that, but for some reason it made it into the newspaper headlines. And then inspired yeah. this book. Just the fact that coincidentally he was a Dungeons & Dragons player. Um, yeah. It led to these these myths yeah. about how right. he, you know, I guess he had gone hiding, I guess, and was like actually, from what I've read, uh, was, was kind of squatting in these subterranean, uh, I want to say caves, but like a tunnel system under the university or near in the town. And... Um, mm-hmm. Some people had, you know, erroneously assumed that, oh, well, that's because he was playing Dungeons and Dragons and he was completely lost in their amaze, like like he was playing D anD D in real life, and that's not what was going on. But the, <laughs> it inspired this book, and this, the, so this TV movie came out in '82, and it's it's a really bad, really really bad TV drama about this really yeah. stupid concept. And it's directed by uh, Stephen this... Hilliard Stern. Um, and yeah, like I said, it has Tom Hanks in it, and honestly, none of the characters in here really are, are very good. The writing is really terrible, even for a, a late or early '80s made-for-TV movie. Yeah, I mean, essentially, this is a—I know it was probably a primetime TV movie, but it's essentially an after-school special, like the old-school like PSAs about the dangers of you know Dungeons and Dragons and right. role-playing. And it's—I feel like it's reading a little bit about Ronan uh Jaffe's actual book um it feels like it's even played up a little harder in the movie than it is in the the actual novel uh Mazes and Monsters yeah that you know D&D is the evil pushing the you know these delicate people over the edge um I feel like the first part of this movie it's just it's not even really about pushing delicate people over the edge it's just right straight up saying this game is dangerous. Uh, and the same, some of the lines are as ridiculous as something straight out of like Reefer Madness, yeah, or um, something, you know, like that. There was many, you know, kind of PSA type film strips and movies throughout the '50s, '60s, and '70s. I think those were big, um, still big, a way that you know people would try to send a message about the dangers of drugs and alcohol and apparently of Dungeons and Dragons as well. So as late as 82, we're getting a primetime TV movie probably aimed at teenagers and, 
you know preteens and teenagers about how dangerous this role-playing game is so um yeah it, it kind of just got me thinking like are those people still out there that think that like fantasy games are evil and just what silly assholes oh they yeah are? like i mean um, West, westboro like... <laughs> baptist church i think and there's a couple other you know the the people that stand there with the signs the petition picketing signs of everything i see them on college campus i guess they're like that usually roll art D is the on same... their list of things that will send you to hell <laughs> yeah and i guess they're the same people that like think harry potter is yeah. evil and you know want that boycotted anyway but whatever, you know I, get a life. The, the thing about you're <laughs> you, right it's interesting in this film that yeah they do show that all of the the four characters they're all really damaged and so it leads to this this impression it's really telling the audience that the only people that would play D are people that already are you know not not yeah. kind of handling their lives well you've got this one, you've got Tom Hanks's character who's actually been institutionalized because he had a hard time handling the game. You've got another guy who, <laughs> you know, is trying to live up to his parents' standards. Same thing with the, the the female character. And then you've got, like, the young prodigy kid who, for some reason, wears weird-ass hats and his parents are ridiculously controlling <laughs> and... I, I decided that the only reason they do that is because they had no better way within the like limited confines of this terrible movie to make him the eccentric kid. So they're like, well, we'll just make him wear silly hats. He'll wear a different silly hat in every scene. And everyone know he'll he's the eccentric But guy, they never you know? say it's anything like... about it. It's like the only thing they ever say about <laughs> the hat is the doorman at the beginning saying, nice hat. <laughs> That's it. But then he's, like, he's wearing a Kaiser helmet. And then the next scene he's wearing a yeah. hard hat with a suit. And the next scene, he's wearing a cowboy hat. And it's just like, keeps going. And nobody says shit about it. It's just kind of like, everybody accepts that. It's, but it's like, no, this cannot be ignored. Like, yeah, You're these, wearing a Kaiser helmet. These, ki these kids are crazy, you know. Look, look at his hat. Yeah, I mean, and, and, uh, yeah. But yeah, so they show that they're these weird they, kind of outcast kids anyway. So you don't want to be like them. And Well, I think in the first part of the film, they actually say spend a significant amount of time setting up like... Oh, these kids have so much potential and so much future, yeah. and these wonderful. Look at every, yeah, look at everything that's them. offered. As long as they don't play that awful fantasy game, and then oh, they're playing it, so they're gonna, you know. I yeah, just... yeah, it's and and even some of the not some of the all of the writing and the dialogue in it is is really. I mean, there's the character, the the kid character, uh, JJ, I believe. Yeah, yeah, uh, Chris, yep, yeah, Chris big piece. Um, he uh, he has a whole scene where he's talking to his pet bird about killing himself. But, oh my God, but the yeah. music in the background is not like a foreboding, like, oh gosh, isn't this a dramatic, horrible thing? It's this kind of, yep, da 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 It's this almost happy, isn't that silly? He's talking about how he'd kill himself. It's a really yeah, weird scene. Yeah, and I actually found scene. that scene to be incredibly disturbing. And I... And... I don't know if I ever got my head wrapped around like what they were like, what from the filmmakers' intentions, what they were trying to do with that scene because I don't know. It's borderline terrifying what he's talking about. He's talking about you know, oh, he wants to kill himself, but he doesn't want to just kill himself like you know, die quietly or something. He wants to do something that'll really make people remember him, and it's like it's echoing creepy stuff of like you know modern day uh mass shootings and like the like i don't know like and there's this crazy like inappropriate music playing and he's being like light and jovial and he's talking to a fucking bird yeah 
and I don't know, it's a really like creepy scene, but not because it's meant to be a creepy scene. <laughs> like I don't know, just somebody who's like really obviously from a writing and direction standpoint, somebody who's like really disconnected from you know anybody who might actually be struggling or be suicidal or depressed or um they kind of make a joke out of it i think and that's and i think that's what bothered me but anyway yeah <laughs> and, and you know i tom hanks the, this movie is really kind of used as a, a tom hanks advertisement like look at the silly movie he made back in 19 you know 83 or 82 mm-hmm. um but uh actually this also was a diving board or a springboard for um uh, wendy Crewson, wendy jane Crewson. Yeah. who's been in mm-hmm. you know she was in the the disney santa claus films and the sixth day and yeah that's what other i things too. recognized her from because we've just rewatched all of those with our kids recently oh okay but... <laughs> yeah and so you know and <laughs> and david wallace and chris makepeace had, had gone on to do some like tv stuff and soap opera stuff later on in their lives as well so people you know the, these this isn't really a cast of people that went on to do nothing um ultimately they did develop a, an acting or and you know acting careers but it's it's this is not a good script for them but i will say one thing that the only redeeming quality which i can say this movie had more redeeming qualities than holmes and watson because i found one and yeah i mean yeah it, i have to agree and, it does. and that <laughs> is that even though this is a terrible script and it's a stupid movie and a stupid concept and it was made out of complete paranoia and panic um tom hanks you can already tell this guy's going to go on to do good things. You know? Yeah. Well, I wrote I wrote a couple of things down, like Tom Hanks can't elevate this material so bad, even Tom Hanks can't elevate it much. And then also that um, even compared to his peers, and it's not like the whole cast right. is terrible, but you can tell he's far more talented yeah. than like most of the people in this movie, um, even though he doesn't have much to work right. with. Um, although I did kind of change my mind on that. Towards the end, I feel like even he's just kind of not great in this yeah. movie like i don't know maybe they shot it in sequence and the whole thing's been beating him down but but you can see seeds of it like you can see glimpses of you know what is to come and that he he is you know going to become a talented actor and he's got some um ways to interpret scenes and play this character with some credibility the only bit of credibility that's that's given in this movie is probably his performance as somebody with mental illness yeah. um the script sure isn't very uh empathetic towards that but um he does manage to sell you know bits of it and you do feel a bit bad for for robbie his character what's an interesting Uh, thing too about tom hanks i think when you watch something like this is that this is you know very early in his career him doing a dramatic role and this is a made for tv movie and then in the mid early you know early to mid to into the late 80s he's doing comedies and that's really what right. what elevates him, you know, with movies like The Money Pit, which is still a favorite. Um, you know, oh, yeah, Man yeah, with One like Red that. Shoe, and mm. an ultimately Big, big and... which then started showing mm-hmm. his dramatic abilities as well. Big is is Big is on my short list of movies where the... it's like no matter what I'm doing, if that pops up on TV, I'll stop what I'm doing and watch it. Um, <laughs> and then. I mean that's that's definitely what the linchpin in his career. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's his, his turning oh, point the, from the scene, you know, 80s the comedy. The scene when he's in to, the 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 CD motel room by himself that first night and he's hearing like the screams and the gunshots outside and he like curls up into a ball and he's crying. Here's a grown man playing like a 12-year-old t- kid. 
that mm-hmm. that was the scene I think that really was like a breakout uh, scene for him yeah. in a breakout role. Um, and then since then he's pretty much stuck to doing dramatic roles and, and nothing against that. I think it's kind of funny when you see him do a little comedic thing nowadays. It's like, oh yeah, he used to be funny and he still is, but it's <laughs> kind of neat. You see a really dramatic role. I mean, come on, David has pumpkins Holy a couple shit. years ago. I, I have, <laughs> I didn't notice, I didn't actually see that until like a couple years later and yeah oh my god is that funny and i can't explain why (laughs) (laughs) i know it's like the only thing i saw on saturday night live that whole year that just had me rolling on the floor but anyway so but you know so you see like this is him early in his career being a dramatic actor and yeah it's it's better than the people around him but still not saying much you see him in his comedy series like a punchline and so on and then you know now he's doing these drugs so you, you actually this is a great full kind of growth series of of tom hanks of a very very good very talented actor and how they've changed their their ability to carry a dramatic role from early to later in their careers um and we don't get to see that because there's not many there's plenty there's there there are some of course but you don't have a lot of of people you know on the screen that change what they're known for in roles you know like will ferrell is probably not going to be known later in his career as this great dramatic actor maybe i mean jim carrey did um yeah well and i've seen him pull it off a little bit in a couple things it's fine yeah but yeah you know maybe not um if anything if anything at all you notice that some actors go from serious roles and then as they age and get older and older and older they start just doing more goofy comedy roles you know what we see with like uh, Jeff Goldblum right now, or Mel Gibson, yeah. Robert De Niro. Or Robert De Niro. Yeah, we're not that they can't <laughs> yeah. do those intense roles anymore, but they're they're kind of just having fun now. They're having fun and they're paying the bills, um, and maybe Tom Hanks will go back to that. I don't know, but I, I just one thing that struck me as well. You know, how is his dramatic roles in this point differ from what he does today? but there's this gap in between where he's doing a lot of comedies. So just something I found right. kind of uh, kind of interesting. So again, this movie got me thinking about that, which is still more than I can say about Holmes and Watson. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, and actually there is a point in this movie where I finally got over my bias being a gamer, being you know somebody who's played Dungeons and Dragons growing up, and like the fact that this is a total, probably church-funded at some point, hit piece on... Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, and I, I finally could, you know, turn off that bias and be like, okay, this is a fairly terrible script. Um, the direction's pretty soft, but for a TV movie, it's not that it's totally incompetent. It becomes watchable at a point in the middle. Like, I actually like some of the stuff. I actually wish it kind of would have become like imaginary creatures coming to life in the caverns and killing all the kids that'd be a great like little stupid horror movie even if it was an anti-dungeon dragons yeah. thing um but honestly moral of the story this really is you know just you know tabletop games are fine just don't go don't don't go into for larping because you know that's uh um should have been called like you know larp the movie or the massacre of larp caverns or something but um <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah it, it, <laughs> but, <laughs> it it's a good point i mean if if this would have done something 
it was clearly a hit piece. It was because, clearly a hit piece against these, well, and I mean the book was too. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I think well, we the all Cavern stuff I thought was kind of a the, cool story thing. You know, like okay, this is where they're going with this story, but well, I love the Garvel suit, right? The Dragon Man that kind of looks like a bad Power yeah. Rangers villain. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of love that suit. The fact that they couldn't even like build a dragon. It's like a dragon head honestly we we're talking about those don post dragon yeah. masks it wasn't even quite that good but it was about that big yeah and uh yeah. just on a green scaly bodysuit i'm oh, sorry i wanted the movie to become that guy hunting down these four idiots and yeah yeah that, rather them. than just be like a figment of one guy's imagination and i was gonna say i had my four-year-old <laughs> right. in the room when i was watching this and when when that monster showed up on the screen my my initial reaction was oh crap is that gonna be too much for him no, it's not. And he was watching no. it, and he went right back to playing <laughs> with his dinosaurs. He didn't care. Um, yeah. Because it, it, it's that stupid looking. Um, and poorly lit and poorly shot and everything else. And <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I think even if you wanted to make a hit piece against D&D, you could have done it better than this. Oh, sure. It's just not, I mean, there's nothing really great about it. They don't really build up Robbie's mental breakdown either. Like, it's supposed to be... I feel like the movie should have been about, like, mental illness and this character, right? And they just have him all of a sudden snap and be like, oh, you know, I was in the caverns and all of a sudden I started imagining things and now I'm breaking up with my girlfriend, ditching classes and disappearing. It's, like, all happens within, like, minutes in the movie without any, like... He never, like, talks about his former struggles. Like, you get the lecture from the parents in the car in the beginning of the movie. Um, and you get, like, a hesitation when he initially is approached about joining their game. Um, but you never get, like, just a little bit of disposition about the fact that he had struggled. Um, personally struggled. Not just, like, his grades struggled, but, like, he had some issues with, uh, you know, reality and such. Just a little inkling of that would have gone yeah there's to yeah that was completely absent absolutely absent you know and you're right i think it would have actually really helped to uh to flesh that out and and to explain this transformation that he goes through because i think there's there's a legitimate story here and they blow it by making it all about how dungeons and dragons is evil um about you know a person you know, who is already kind of unhinged or is, you know, struggling with um, their sanity uh, and keeping a hold of their life, and the game kind of throws them off the deep end, especially the interconnections between the group of players and such. You know, he's dating dating the um, female character. I don't remember what's her name in the movie. Wendy Cruzan's character is Kate yeah. in the movie. And, um, yeah, and just, just all the kind of the pressure and the the fact that his entire social existence is built up around this game. And um, they just totally missed the point. They could have made a really strong point about, you know, mental illness or something legit. But instead they t- decide to talk about the evil of the role-playing game. And uh, the, so the end product kind of just comes out, you know, like... like um, made-for-lifetime kind of yeah. scare movies, scare tactic movies. It just ends up being something like that but not even that well made yeah <laughs> i would, I would rather something. watch a lifetime original movie than than this one mm-hmm. again um and it's a shame because they're i think concepts uh you know rpgs as a concept i think um 
do translate well to the screen. I'm not saying that we need a good Dungeons & Dragons movie that's been tried a few times and it doesn't work. It was a Saturday morning cartoon, and it's kind of like the whole point of D&D is that it can be whatever you want it to be, right? Or of any RPG. Right. That it's, it's driven yeah. by storytelling. So to make a movie of it is kind of... It, it seems counterintuitive. However, there have been some good comedies that have revolved around RPGs or LARPing. I don't want to say good movies, but there have been fun movies that have, have yeah. kind of gathered around that. But you can't do one based on a campaign because the campaign's never going to be the same, ever. So this this is really the only other kind of RPG movie you can make, right? Is to, to say about how, how dangerous and scary they are. I think it'd be interesting to tell a story of an RPG coming to life or something like that as a, a horror film, yeah, right? for sure. But you'd have to be very careful not to make it a hit piece. Yeah. I mean, you just introduce some kind of supernatural element to it, and then that'll all go yeah. away. But yeah, I think you could make an interesting movie about... <laughs> even if it was the silly description that we talked about earlier of man in dragon suit, you know, killing off teenagers in yeah. caverns... Um, I mean, even that would have been a better movie than Mazes and Monsters is, so... Um, I don't know. The D&D controversy is pretty weak, satanic panic crap. Yeah. Like, it's just like... I feel like there was a point where the church ran out of stuff, you know, like... To be angry about. Like, they're not angry enough about a thousand other things, but they had to, you know, start picking on role-playing games and Harry Potter and bullshit. Like, I don't know, just like... It's, it's lazy hate. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, what in the hell could bother you so much about, you know, what somebody, what board game people are playing or what novels people, fantasy novels people are reading. Um, oh, sure. Or comic books that they're reading. or You know. Yeah, yeah. All of films they're watching. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's, I guess it's whatever. I mean, it's. Oh, I had a, I had a Sunday school teacher once tell me not to watch horror movies because they'll lead me to the devil. Um, I was like, oh that's, yeah, that's yeah a, I heard that one a couple quote, times, by the way, and I'm not going to say her name, but that was something my sister and I always used to laugh about because it was like <laughs> that was literally she overheard us talking about one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies in Sunday school, which you know right away there's that's a that's that's a big sentence to unpack right there, you know, but um, <laughs> I was just like, oh, don't watch horror movies; they'll lead you to the devil, and. Um, I don't know, looking back, I'm like, you know, he's not in enough stuff. He's really not in enough movies. We should have more. We need more <laughs> satanic panic more. movies. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, it just, yeah, that, that kind of panic was a big thing in the 80s. Um, you know, and it's funny today to hear somebody refer to someone else as a Satanist. You're like, what? What the fuck does that even mean to you? <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, and I think people, the the kind of people that are pointing fingers and saying stuff like that probably have no idea what that right. even means. So. Right. No, so. no I, I've, I've gotten my my nine-year-old into d and I'm very proud of that. It's actually, we, I wrote a... a, a I thought you were going to say Satan, oh, but D&D... Yeah. Well, you know, hey, but, same thing, right? You know, um, <laughs> that's almost as cool, dude. Yeah. But, no. <laughs> Building up. No, no, I actually got... Your wife's going to kill me for yeah, that one, by the way. Don't play that for um, her. Yeah, she... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Lisa, my daughter Lisa really likes D and D, and hey, cool. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's very creative. Like, I think it's just if people would embrace like the good things about it, the creativity, the um, 
kind of freeform and you, you it's all about storytelling like you said earlier so um yeah if you you have a kid that's even a little bit on the creative side like they'll just run oh with yeah that, my right? nephew and matthew do whatever really gotten they want into it like too recently and so we're trying to find the yeah. time to like because he lives in illinois still um we're trying to find a time to like well, do, I mean, a, do a little campaign over Skype or something like that, which I think would be a lot. I was going to say these days you don't even have to live close right. to Skype and all that. You guys, can, yeah, have a game yeah, and we we had him over for Christmas and we we played a little bit then too, and you know it's it's a lot of fun and it's cool too because I I think one of the ways people really start out getting into role playing games is is the you know you know kick open the door fight the monster take the treasure kick open the door fight the monster take the treasure kind of kind of campaigns the dungeon crawls yeah um but when you start adding a story to it then after a while like there's actually puzzles and you have to think about you know well what do i do now i, I don't know what do you want to do now <laughs> and you just have to kind of think about it on the fly <laughs> right. that's a really liberating thing so I guess what I'm just trying to say is like for a game that is really really great I think for kids it, I think this is a great game for developing social skills uh, and team building exercises and all of that kind of stuff and, and thinking outside of the box and in, enhancing creativity there's all these great things that can come out of, of RPGs um, yeah and almost no negative no. things like I don't I mean Nobody playing this actually thinks they're casting fireball spells or raising the dead or, you know, And whatever. if they did, they'd probably be just as, as confused about other things, you know? Yeah, well, like movies or comic books or whatever, their they're choice. Like, if you're having those that kind of problems with drawing lines between fantasy and reality, you got deeper problems than Dungeons & Dragons. Well, and <laughs> like there's a good uh... friend of mine who used to play a lot in college, and his DM, he goes on about his DM. He's like, I've, I don't think I could play again because the DM I had in college was so good. You know, we'd hang out during the week, he'd say, and they'd know what was going on in his life. And so then when it came time for game night, he would have incorporated an aspect of what the players were actually dealing with during their week into the game so like it yeah. was like oh there's this thing i'm really struggling with this week he would find a way to incorporate that into the game so they're they, they could use their character to help work through it i mean hmm. that's that is fucking awesome that's an incredible I mean, role playing has always been a form of therapy Absolutely. as well so yeah I mean, yeah and i mean it's so it has all this great potential Ultimately, though, it's about having a lot of fun and just kind of being silly with it. I got I got Sarah into it, and, that and don't was a forget, surprise. you know, we yeah we talk about every you know talk about all these good things it could do, or but at the end of the day, it's a game and it's meant to be fun, yeah. and that's why people play it. At the end of the day, it's because it is. So it's just such a shame then for people to to demonize something that has so much great potential, all because they're just they don't understand it and. Yeah. Well, like everything else they demonize in that way, they don't understand it. They they read that it was bad or they were told by somebody of religious authority in their church or whatever that it was evil. Yeah. They don't actually know anything about it. And that shows really that shows in this movie too. Like to bring it back to the film, like nothing they do in this movie is very actually reminiscent of tabletop role playing right. games. <laughs> like it, they have it, it more or less plays out like a séance. <laughs> in the film yeah um than an actual you know dungeon and dragons game so yeah 
yeah, you could tell these people don't even know what they're criticizing. They're pointing the finger and saying this is evil and it's taking over kids' minds. But they actually don't know anything about it. They've never played the game. They've probably never seen the game played or talked to somebody seriously about the game to understand it. Um, typical of that group of people, and I'm not going to go off on this real long, but to... to criticize something that they know absolutely nothing about so but yeah so i mean i don't know if you had to give this one a grade what would you uh what would you give for mazes and monsters let's say an f plus and tom hanks will pull it to the plus i guess although i don't know i actually like thought towards the end of this movie he really wasn't there's like a dramatic scene at the end when he's a supposedly you know approaching suicide or he's gonna follow his dead brother or the, the character robbie is looking for his um brother in new york and i guess they never say that he's dead for sure he's disappeared um but he's gonna walk off the the world trade center and uh essentially kill himself you know trying to find this missing brother of his um there's a bit of and you talked about how wonderful the scene in big is with his break mental breakdown and you know it's just just the fear in him playing that young child and i agree with it that's a wonderful um, wonderfully acted scene this is the antithesis of the big scene because it's just not he's not not hitting the marks on it so even tom hanks and that could be because of you know the budget the direction the the general bad script and everything of this movie but um i even think tom hanks is not at his and he's young he hasn't done a whole lot of this yet either so i'm not i'm not sh- you know shit talking tom hanks but um anyway yeah it i'll give it enough plus I'd i guess say I'd the probably, plus is uh, basically being generous i think i probably do about the same it's like it had it it, it got us to uh have a, a an episode where we talk about D and so <laughs> yeah. i'll give it i'll give it a fraction of a point for that um for, yeah, for, being, mean, for being for being a satanic panic, D and D is the devil, fear mongering propaganda. Um, it doesn't get much worse. Yeah, it's and the okay and the worst thing about this movie is not even that I can deal with that. I've heard about all that you know ridiculous stuff, and it's only ridiculous people that really think or are going to have that opinion about this anyway. So you know I can shrug that off. Whatever. There's two or three major things that bug me more about this movie and and that is that it's like straight up 80s like nerd hate mm-hmm. characters are portrayed as like being delinquent for being different um they're having you know they're doing terrible delinquent things like having film themed parties and wearing eccentric hats and you know except you know things like that that are just so i'm playing you know fantasy board games that's mm-hmm. um and also the total lack of empathy that it deals with like the mental problems that these you know kids are having first of all jj being like suicidal and we talked about the scene with him talking to the bird um it like deals with depression and suicide and the movie has zero empathy it's just like oh well they shouldn't have played that awful game then should they yeah (laughs) that's why they're um I don't know. So beneath the surface of it, like this is a really disgusting movie. Like it just has the the point of it. It's just really terrible. Um, so you you start to think like, what the hell is Tom Hanks doing in this movie? After all, you know, I'm sure it's just a gig at that point. But yeah, it just so it's got some elements of that. Just the the lack of empathy that it has for any of its characters because oh, God forbid they sat down and played a role playing game. So they they you know 
it's almost like they deserve the depression the suicide the the mental breakdown but sure anyway yeah so yeah i'm pretty pretty disgusted by it overall so that that definitely drives it down to an f i like the dragon man scene. yeah it was um it was like (laughs) even though it's hilariously bad great i mean yeah i don't know i i kind of want to this movie did inspire me and i won't do it but it made me wonder like wonder what would happen if i just started to show up to different meetings and classes and things just wearing a different hat every every day (laughs) and and just didn't make a big deal out of it at all just acted like why not (laughs) and i'm curious what people would say and do probably uh probably be really uncomfortable (laughs) rightfully so maybe the more perceptive of them would (laughs) i would hope so i would hope so but yeah yeah i was this was another one kind of like holmes and watson i was really glad to see with the uh the final credits roll which by the way the ending of this movie is interesting because it pretty much says nothing was accomplished it was a really yeah. weird movie well and also once once you once dungeons and dragons gets you it's got you for good like it's a, yeah you know, yeah it's it's there's pretty yeah. much the worst of the kind of propaganda so we are officially and i'm happy to say uh done with the really really bad movies now this has been two in a row that we've recorded <laughs> that have been really uh, really bad yeah I gotta, I gotta screen, you know, this a little, a little better. Um, well, and for those of you that don't know at home, um, I because they're probably not gonna play this way when they come out, but we actually had the additional pleasure of recording both the Holmes and Watson and Mazes and Monsters show on the same night. So this has been just the, you know, greatest night at the yeah. Junkyard Podcast has ever had. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah, it is what it is. I guess we. We do schedule these ourselves. That's right. That's right. <laughs> However, next time we're gonna have uh, we're gonna be changing up a bit. We're actually gonna be changing uh, the the pace a little bit to include some comedies and in the uh, films. Specifically, yeah. we're gonna be watching our films with the late great and beloved Chris Farley. Uh, not gonna be watching Tommy Boy because everybody loves Tommy Boy. That's not a forgotten film. That's not something you'd find in the junkyard. That's a celebrated one. So we're going to talk about a couple of the lesser talked about or or lesser favorites, but still ones that have some redeeming quality qualities here. Yeah, and one of these is literally a lesser favorite of mine. Like uh, it's it's one that people don't often know or haven't maybe haven't seen, but it is actually one of my favorite comedies of the era. So and then after that, we're going to be looking at some. Tagashi Miike. I was going to say some really disturbing horror from across the Pacific. Yeah, we're going to be looking at some Tagashi (laughs) Miike films. And then we're going to uh, look at some science fiction stuff then to close out March. So we got some really fun stuff coming up here. Plus, uh, we also are going to be on location on March 16th at the uh, Time Theater here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin for the Terror at the Times. They're showing three movies that night. They're showing Night of the Creeps, The Stuff, and Reanimator. Uh, and Video Junkyard Podcast is going to be there, handing out some free stuff and talking to people, and and uh, I don't think we're going to be doing like a live show or anything, but we're going to be there and uh, kind of a meet and greet thing. So please feel free to stop out. Yeah. They're going to be raising money for the to, to continue this really fun program at the Time Theater where they show old movies um, in an older style. Sounds theater. like a so, great yeah. event. Sounds like a great theater, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And if you you know notice us there, and you know, we'll we'll be the guys handing out all the the free crap with the video junkyard podcast printed all over it just um 
yeah, if you've heard the show, and um, please come up and say hi and uh, let us know. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, are you guys gamers? Can you recommend any other kind of RPG-style films? Have you seen this one? Do you have any fun stories about you know kind of having people freak out when you started playing an RPG? Feel free to drop us a line. Tell us about it if you read it. Uh, if you write it, we will read it. Uh, you can email us at videojunkairpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, download us at SoundCloud, and shoot us a tweet at videojunkpod, which is our Twitter handle. So don't watch Mazes and Monsters. Don't watch Holmes and Watson. Do listen to the Video Junkyard Podcast. <laughs> and make sure you have a good evening. That sounds good. This is Joe Peterson. This is Eric Branson. Have a good one, everybody. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear of the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter, at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram, as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening, and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard.